then out of the timeout, threw a corner fade to Deshaun Jackson on Patrick Peterson. On every level, that was one of the lowest points of this season for me. The worst player on the offense by far was left guard Sean LaVeo. I think that this is a really important thing because LaVeo was just getting worked. And he's really undermining the whole thing. Have we, have we talked about LaVeo's performance yet? <laughs> we, we oh, yeah, I don't know how I glossed over that. Have we, we hit really that? come back to that. Welcome in to Burgundy Blogcast, the official podcast of Burgundy Blog, hosted by my man Brent and presented by SeatGeek. Brent, the Redskins fell 31-23 to the Cardinals. Can you give me one word to describe the game? I've got a word, Hayes. This is a legit SAT word here. You might need to look it up. My word for yesterday's game is sad. Uh, is that you sad? Is that the, the Are you describing the performance as sad? Is that apply to both? Uh, elaborate on sad for me. Yeah, I guess it applies to both. I mean, but not just sad in the typical, like, oh, my favorite team lost, I'm sad. I mean, that sort of applies. But the game really, I mean, starting literally from the first possession, felt very sad. It felt like the Redskins were kind of, um, my overwhelming sense was futility. I mean, even during, there were some clearly stretches where where things were clicking a little bit, and it was it was obviously a competitive game to the very end, but uh, so much of what the Redskins did yesterday felt like it just was doomed to failure and uh, and like they were reaching for that carrot that was just a few inches too far away, um, you know, especially basically all things defense from that very first drive that the, uh, that the Cardinals had where they went, I think, 75 yards in 15 plays, and it just felt like everything they did worked. And for the defense to come out that flat, was just sad. Um, it was it was disappointing, very disappointing. Uh, it was frustrating previously, but um, it, it kind of felt like even though the Redskins were playing a team with a losing record, that it just wasn't, like no matter what they tried, it just wasn't going to work. Yeah. Uh, Arizona has a losing record, but I think they're generally viewed as a quality team. So it's not, it's, it's not the worst loss in that sense. Um, and they didn't get blown out, but you're right. It just never... Uh, it never looked like it, w- it was clicking. Uh, a lot of the, the talk I saw after the game and a lot of the, the stories that are being written are leading with uh, Gruden basically blew the team out in the locker room and everyone could hear him blowing them out. Uh, what's your take on, I guess, that? Is that, is that the, the motivational tactic you were hoping for, the, the, to see the, the anger that you were feeling about the, uh, <clears throat> the play out there? Or, or do you think it's uh, something more than just a motivation thing? Yeah, there's probably a lot playing into that and more than just this particular loss or even the, the way that it went down because that's a little bit out of character for Gruden. I mean, as you know, he's a pretty laid-back guy and tends to sort of let guys do their own motivating. Um, so for him to really, really go off, as has been reported, uh, there's definitely something deep under his skin. And he, he specified that he was um, – particularly pissed off about that start both on offense and defense because after after the Cardinals had that authoritative opening drive the Redskins came out uh in hopes of answering and just just looked like idiots and then they had two false starts and a horrible sack on third down it was like what what are we doing here so clearly he was worked up about that um there were more you know there were more penalties throughout the game and they just I I think there was some there you know there there was an uncharacteristic number, at least in the first half, of drops on the part of the Redskins' pass catchers, which suggests maybe a lack of focus. 
And so he also said specifically that he felt that the intensity of the week of practice was lacking. And I think if they're, you know, I, I can understand him being pretty righteously ticked off if, if the team failed to show an appropriate sense of urgency at this very critical juncture of the season. So, um, you know, he, he probably felt uh, correctly, I think, that uh, it's basically now or never. And, um, you know, he had to he had to get his message across somehow. So that's how he did it. Yep. Uh, you know me. I'm one who firmly believes that human psychology plays a huge part in team sports. Uh, but I'm also one who knows uh, or, or who thinks that you can't predict how it's playing out. A lot of times we'll say things or th- things that seem logical that TV analysts will use. And one that they would go to is, would be to say, uh, do you think, you know, the team got up huge for a big Thanksgiving day against Dallas after, you know, a, a big win before it, or a couple big wins before it, and basically expended their, some of their intensity on that. Again, this is a question that is sort of like that TV guy set up for something that makes sense in the schedule, but I'm really asking you something that you have no clue about, unless in today's world maybe you did see tweets or other things that seem to suggest a lack, lack of intensity. Is that, I mean, is that sort of going with what you're suggesting Gruden might have said about practice? Uh, again, do you want to go there and say that maybe they, you know, it, it was a letdown after the Dallas game in simple terms? Yeah, I, I'm with that. I mean, I think it could be that, that Dallas was emotional for you know many reasons, um, and so this certainly there there could be a little bit of a letdown. Also, it was the second consecutive road game in, in the middle of um, of a three game road stretch. So, you know, I, I know that um, I haven't really. I mean, the players for their part, I haven't heard like too much grumbling or complaining or excuse making, but it's clear that Gruden has been upset about this particular stretch yep. in the schedule for the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's, he's, he's actually said more about that than I thought he would. I mean, he's just not happy about how, um, about their routine right now. Um, so, you know, could it be part, you know, partly travel, partly emotional letdown? Absolutely. You know, and then also clearly, I mean, you said it and it's obvious, but, um, even for their record, Arizona's got a lot of talent. I mean, the defense in particular, it's not like they were sleeping on that defense. It was the number one ranked defense in terms of yards allowed. And they've got a lot of studs even without Honey Badger. So, um, you know, they ran into a team that was, like, desperate and played like it and had the talent to sort of back it up. Um, so, you know, several factors. It, it just it just wasn't enough. But, again, like I, I said, that game felt sad because it wasn't – it's just another one of those where they they probably could have won. It just it, it just felt like everything they were trying was was failing, and um, it just wasn't meant to be. I don't know. Very disappointing. Um, do you want to name names? Was there any, any individual performances or um, unit performances that that you found particularly lacking or uninspired? Uh, the you know most of this game falls on the defense, which was was which was pretty awful for the most part. I think. I feel, like this is becoming, I feel like this is becoming a personal thing. Like, you're trying to tie me to the defense and blame me for the loss. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely wasn't going to let that slide. I, I, I mean, it, yeah, it I saw largely, your tweets. Um, you, you are at least partially responsible for what's <laughs> happening with the Redskins right now. So that's, there's no question about that. But, the you know, on the Redskins defense, there's Josh Norman, who's getting it done. And then there's uh, – you got a couple pass rushers in Ryan Kerrigan and then, surprisingly, Trent Murphy – we're absolutely holding up their end of the bargain. And then you've got everybody else, and they're all disappointments, everybody else. I mean, on the defensive line, there's nobody there. Even Chris Baker, who's probably our best, but it's kind of like being the tallest midget. Um, 
you know, he's, there's nothing going on there. The inside linebackers are just kind of like smart enough to be players in the NFL, but not athletic enough to do much of anything. You've got Sua Cravens, the rookie, who's, you know, occasionally making a nice play, but yep. everywhere else in the secondary, it's lacking. Uh, yeah, the defense is just a huge problem, and unfortunately, I was thinking a lot about this after the game, but I don't, I mean, that's not a quick fix. It's going to take probably at least two seasons of strong drafts and smart free agent acquisitions just to get this defense up from really prohibitive to, you know, average, I think, uh, sadly. But on the other side of the ball, you know, the offense, not really clicking, as we said. Cousins didn't have his best day. I'm not going to put it all on him. It was probably kind of a B-minus game for him. He still made some nice throws. Um, the worst player on the offense by far was left guard Sean Lavea, who was getting destroyed the entire game. And then most noticeably on that play where Calais Campbell just drove him back, back, back straight into Cousins' chin and, and caused that sack fumble, which was by far the most important play in the game and, and turned the whole tide. So um, I, I think that uh, Laveo at left guard is a big problem. Um, you know, a couple of drops among the receivers. Vernon Davis wasn't able to really pick up all of uh, Jordan Reed's slack. So it's definitely a team loss. And then and the coaching, you know, we'll, we'll probably get to this a little, but um, I think they got, it felt like in terms of play calling, strategy, clock management, and just basically getting their guys ready to play, it certainly felt like the Redskins got heavily outcoached. So full team loss on this one. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year with SeatGeek. It's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found a shot for tickets. I could be anywhere. Just a few taps. I can find instantly seats for this weekend's game or any game all season long. Also, SeatGeek tells you the best value tickets there are, so it's not only good seats, it's a great price for them. Get $20 back when you use the SeatGeek app. Download the app. Go to the settings tab. Click add a promo code. Use the promo code BURGUNDY. That's right. Use BURGUNDY and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Use SeatGeek under the promo code BURGUNDY today. One thing that really burned them um, towards the end as you were approaching the two-minute warning in the second half, uh, Arizona had the ball. They're past midfield, and it's getting down to be two minutes and 10 seconds, eight seconds, whatever. And the Redskins called timeout basically to force, I presume, the Cardinals, you know, to run another um, run another play and, and to burn off another, um, uh, you know, force them after the, the two-minute warning to burn off another full um, play's worth of clock uh, so or, or to save that much clock. So, uh, you know, in calling that timeout right before the warning, though, they, they allowed Arizona – a play where they could freely pass the ball with no uh, clock management consequence. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm saying that in the clearest way possible, I but I think it was pretty evident to fans that it gave them essentially a, a free pass, and they took advantage of it, and Palmer threw an absolutely beautiful, I mean, just a dime um, into the end zone, and that was, who caught that ball? J.J. Arrington, I think, on Quinton Dunbar. And, I mean, it was an awesome pass by Palmer. It was an awesome catch by the receiver. Um, it, 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 but it was a play that they, they they probably would not have taken that shot if Gruden hadn't called that timeout. 
Um, so it kind of burned them. Now you could argue, well, maybe it was better for the Redskins there that the Cardinals scored so quickly rather than just getting a first down and then bleeding it out. I, I don't know. It starts to get a little crazy. But that I, I think that was a miscalculation. Um, and then I think one other thing was uh, on, on, on one futile red zone trip, which we're seeing so many of, the Redskins on third and, you know, third and goal from, I think, inside the five, called a timeout to gather themselves, and then out of the timeout, threw a corner fade to Deshaun Jackson on Patrick Peterson. (laughs) On on every level, that was one of the lowest points of this season for me. I mean, it it just, I I don't even know where to begin. I mean, just an incredibly dumb decision after plenty of time to consider it. That's amazing. Um, That's amazing. You know know how much I hate the fade route. But the only time I find it acceptable yeah. is when you've got, you know, that crazy six inch to eight inch height matchup when you're throwing Julio Jones on some dude and you're throwing high. Right. But to, to, to do it to your shorter receiver on the best corner in the game is is d- delicious. I was I was speechless. It's just, that was very that was um, that was just devastating. So, <laughs> you know, there was there was play calling, there was clock stuff, there was just the whole fact that they came out looking like a team that had already clinched uh, rather than a team that still is very much fighting for their lives. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, that's, I guess that's all the dirt I can heap on them. Yeah, uh, I don't – well done, well done. That's good dirt heaping. No, nah, you know, I feel like you're, you're pretty fair, and, uh, and I think it's pretty obvious that you cheer for all of these guys and you're not down on anyone in particular and you're just trying to call it like you see it. So, um, if, uh, if, if, if all the players who listen to the podcast don't like how we, we talk about them – um, that's fine. They can, uh, <laughs> they can, they can talk about our podcast too. Uh, and now they I will say call in. They, uh, happy to have you join to give your side of things. Um, I will say nobody wants to hear about, well, you're actually not too far out of the playoff uh, picture after a loss and after looking bad, but the way it's shaking out, there aren't a lot of people gobbling up, uh, uh, wild card positions. Obviously, there's teams that are leading their divisions, but like the NFC West has the Seahawks eight and three, and then the Cardinals at five and six. Or uh, gosh, these damn ties are going to be the death of me. The C- <laughs> how many ties do we have now? The Seahawks eight three and one, and then the Cardinals five six and one. The NFC North Lions lead eight and four. Next team is six and six. NFC South, you know they all suck. I mean seven and five Falcons, seven and five Bucks. Five and seven Saints, four and eight Panthers. I mean, somebody's going to win the division, but probably a likely non-wild card there. So six, five, and one. Even though you're third in the division, not a worst place, not the worst place to be. I did see some percentage this week. Then I don't know how these things get calculated, but it was like if the Redskins win this week, their playoff probability shot up to like seventy-two, and if they lost, it went down to thirty-seven. Does that sound like something you saw, or am I reading fake news sites again? I think you were reading a tweet that I retweeted, actually. Yeah, that was um, – uh, I did see that. I think – and I'll, I'll give credit to Michael Phillips at Richmond Time Dispatch found that somewhere. I, I, don't, I actually don't recall the exact source. But, we'll believe, uh, yeah, yeah, so it was a pretty big – in terms of in terms of probability, that was a big swing on this game. We'll take it on face value. But, but I guess but I guess 37% feels right. Probably about a one in three chance that the Redskins do it. They're, they're, they're not going to win the division. Yeah, I think – Interesting thing about just trying to quantify that, though, is that it, that those numbers, as far as I can tell, basically applied to like a vacuum, and obviously lots of other games happen. And aside from the Bucks winning um, 
and, and thereby sort of leapfrogging the Redskins in the playoff race. All the other stuff that the Redskins wanted to happen did happen. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure that it's actually as bad as 37 or whatever. It might be in the 40s now. And um, every remaining game on the Redskins schedule is eminently winnable. That's um, good. They, they don't, I mean, they, they, there's absolutely a chance that they could run the table. Now, am I banking on that? Definitely not. But there's, there's no matchup there that looks like, man, that's a really big ask. Um, and, and so, but at this point, unfortunately, what they lost yesterday is the right to uh, control their destiny. So they, they would need to, you know, if, if, um, if Tampa wins out, then, uh, then, then the Redskins are out of luck. But yeah, if they t- can, t- if they can get, for example, if they can get the if they can get Dallas to stay interested and and knock off Tampa, then the Redskins would be in position to again sort of control their own destiny. So I mean, there's there's no question that this, I mean this, the season's not over. This isn't they they can't afford to be hanging their heads, and fans shouldn't be acting like it's all you know um, right. a done deal. But uh, but but yeah, they 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 threw away a really a really valuable opportunity. Suck it to me. All right, let's jump to uh, to Brent's notes. Some we may have covered, but uh, we'll, we'll read through them all. Uh, starting at the top in the first half, pathetic D, then O. I believe that's the drive you referenced. Opening drive for the Cardinals, 15 plays all the way down the field. Sloppy play from the offense. Anything else on that one? No, that's nah. exactly it. Rob Poppin. Rob is fat Rob, and um, even though he only got, I think, 14 carries again, really looked good. I mean, there was some numbers um, – coming into this game about how to this point in the season, Rob Kelly and Matt Jones actually had, had almost identical numbers in terms of carries and yards. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, if you fall back on the all important eye test here, I think Rob Kelly continues to look vastly superior to Matt Jones in terms of vision, uh, cutting ability and uh, ability to, to avoid negative play. So he looked good. False starts. We, we sort of yeah, I think that's four of them in the first half. I was good very Lord. surprised because, before the game, all the Redskins media was saying that the stadium was really empty and quiet and dead, and I was like, why is the offense false starting? But I heard from some fans later who were actually there that um, that it did get fairly lively, so maybe that was why. 61 out. 61 is Spencer Long. So um, I know, Hayes, that uh, that you have great disdain for analyzing interior offensive line in great detail, but we, we need to talk about this. Spencer Long is the center who, who took over for Corey Lichtensteiger a month or two ago, and, and the offensive line really improved when he did. He's out. I, I think I think he has a concussion, so I'm not sure um, if he'll be back next week or not. But I mentioned Sean Laveo, the left guard, was was terrible and exposed again. In my opinion, they, they've got to do something to get him out of there. Now, one question was, and this was sort of controversial, when Trent Williams comes back from his suspension next week, do you consider playing him at left guard for Laveo, leaving Ty Insecki at left tackle because he's been doing a good job? And the coaches apparently just this morning I'm seeing reports that they have totally just shot that down. They're not going to let Trent Williams, their stud left tackle, become a left guard. So um, I think that the Redskins should consider, if Spencer Long uh, recovers quickly from his concussion, kicking him over to left guard and then using his backup, John Sullivan, at center. Um, I think that this is a really important thing because Lavea was just getting worked, and he's really undermining the whole thing. Uh, so it's, that's an important thing to watch out for. I think it's having a big effect on the offense. 
Um, all right, I'll take you at that plan. It sounds like the big move is you just want that one guy Laveo off the field, and then. But secondly, yeah. the only thing I throw at you is: is it that? E- can you interchange linemen that easy and have them still be good? Like, obviously, if you've got you want your five best guys out there, but at some point, doesn't it matter? Like, hey, man, I, I don't get enough practice snapping the ball to be center. Like, I got to be, a, a, you know, I can only be a left or right guard. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no question. There's, I mean, I, I think that's why the coaches are so, um, so hesitant to, uh, to to break up the continuity. You know, I mean, it, it does feel a little bit like fantasy football for a fan to say, here, put this guy there, put that guy there, and now you got all your puzzle <laughs> yeah. pieces in order, and it's fine. And so, obviously, it doesn't work like that. I mean, I'm not quite that naive, but when you take a guy like Trent Williams, who you know he did it earlier in the year against the Giants, he came in and never played left guard in his life before, and he was awesome. So like a guy who's that good could do it and i know that spencer long can play left guard because he did it last year so i mean they have options they've got a few days to prep for it um i mean i don't know perhaps they don't consider laveo to be the kind of um prohibitive liability that i do but but to me i mean that that one play uh campbell put him on skates and that sack fumble was i mean basically it just it, it was the whole game right there and you can't afford to um run that risk i don't think i don't know what's wrong with him he hasn't been Laveo has just not been right since injury a little while ago um i i may have to put this section towards the front of the podcast to make sure that the coaches hear it um because that's i mean it sounds like a great plan <laughs> and they, like i'm I, they, they probably haven't thought of it so they they would definitely need to hear it and uh, we got, uh third and four six m cuz evades is that cuz scrambling to avoid six men yeah, yeah, it's, it's one play that's not going to get a lot of action, but uh, I, it was probably my favorite play that he made. There were six minutes left in the half. It was the third and whatever I said, four, and um, the pocket collapsed, and he made he made a really nice evasive maneuver from inside the pocket and then kind of stepped to his left and found Garcon for the first down. It, it wasn't like a big fancy play, and I think it only picked up eight or nine yards. But to me, yet another example of like that, uh, just a really nice thing that he's added to his game and why I think um, – you know that the that the game manager label is increasingly outdated for him. Yeah, Grant contributes. Ryan Grant, much maligned by me um, in particular um, over the course of his career in this season, but uh, wouldn't you know it? He had a couple big catches yesterday. He, he made some plays that really could have helped them win. So um, I, I figure he deserves a little credit. Excellent. Uh, fade eleven vom. I think we've covered that one well. Didn't nausea yeah. induced by the uh, fade to Deshaun Jackson. Twenty four blitzes. That's right. Josh Norman. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Your boy Josh Norman had. Uh, they called a couple corner blitzes for him, and, and he took full advantage of them. He, he snuffed out a couple runs in um, the first half uh, behind the line of scrimmage. So that was a good look. He's always been a decent tackler. I think he blitzed some early in his career. The Panthers like to blitz from like the the nickel corner, but once he became a a cover corner, I don't think he blitzed much. But it but I, it was definitely a skill that he has tackling. Uh, jumping into the second half, eleven hits. Did Deshaun Jackson hit somebody? No, no, no. He just. <laughs> I feel like he's kind of like um, he's you know going going to Deshaun is a little bit like roulette, and and there was one play where he hit because uh, there was you know Cousins hit him for. 59 yards or something and, and set up a touchdown. So that, that was, that was that first drive coming out of the half. So they, they did, they did connect on one more, one more deep ball. So they're his, you know, cousins and, and, and Jackson are their, their chemistry is improving a little bit. Deep ball to Deshaun once a half. That's what I like to see. I saw Randy, uh, I saw yep. Bomani Jones was having an interesting conversation. I don't know if you saw this in tweets about, uh, I almost like copied you on one or maybe I did. I can't remember. It was about, Deshaun Jackson, he was saying people forget that Deshaun Jackson is still, 
if not one of the best five receivers, maybe one of the most five talented receivers. I can't forget how he was quantifying it. And he was like, look, mm-hmm. like Randy Moss didn't go over the middle either, but he was still like the most dangerous guy. Like, you know, obviously you want a guy right. who's Larry Fitzgerald who will do everything, who will, you know, but ultimately when you're trying to throw the ball 40 yards in the air, there's like five dudes that you want running under it. And Deshaun Jackson still might be one of those guys, uh, even if he doesn't. Oh, he definitely is. Even if he doesn't do yeah. everything yeah. you would want every receiver to do. Um, 93 sack MFG. Yeah, Trent Williams had another huge sack uh, there in the second half that should have mattered a lot. I mean, it actually did. It, it, put, it, pushed, um, it pushed them out of field. Well, it, it, it forced a much longer field goal than Arizona should have uh, or otherwise would have had to attempt, and the guy missed it. So uh, yet another big play from the breakout star of this year, Trent Murphy. Yeah, I think you called him Trent Williams the first time, but Trent Murphy, yes. Uh, My bad. My no, bad, yeah. No worries. Everybody knew what you meant. Uh, sack fumble 77, huge. Yeah, that that was that was a play where uh, Calais Campbell basically yeah. just ate Sean Laveo's soul. I don't know. If, we've I, covered that. Have we, have we talked about what your uh, assessment of Laveo's performance yet? Have you, have you <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I glossed over that. Have we, we hit really that? Come back to that. Um, ADTD play design route. Is this my man uh, Jameson Crowder again? Quickly becoming like a, an incredible set, number two receiver, number three receiver in the NFL. It sure is, and yeah, he he ran a route from I guess kind of the slot position, but it, it was it was a route that I think that um, Jordan Reed would have run if he had been in the game. But he had an absolutely beautiful route down the seam and got himself wide ass open in the end zone, and, and Cousins made a nice throw. So he continues to make at least one big play every game. Uh, Black hurt. That that's um, uh, Will Blackman uh, the the uh, veteran uh, free safety for the Redskins who hurt himself in the fourth quarter trying to tackle David Johnson. And he's got some kind of a stinger slash maybe a concussion. I don't know. I, I think it's a notable injury because he's, he's not a world beater, but behind him, he's kind of been the one guy at safety whose name you're not hearing a lot because he's not just getting completely flame broiled constantly. So if he misses time, I, I think that's a problem. He's really, he's kind of the best stability they've had at safety. DJ so sick. More Deshaun Jackson? No, no, no. DJ in this case is is David Johnson, Cardinals oh. running back. Yeah, he's um, good. I'm sure I'm sure you'll agree. The that, that guy is just amazing. Yes. I mean, what a weapon! Like running the ball, passing the ball. He really is. He's receiving chops. I, ha- I had not watched a lot of him in live action, but I mean, he's absolutely a viable boundary wide receiver too, and he's just. Jack, he's trucking. He's dudes. so I mean, strong. He's got all that, of it. That's my thing with him. When you watch him run, you could just kind of see the way uh, bodies and arms move away from him when they touch him. Like he, he just cr- rushes through a lot without it affecting him. He is a strong dude. Um, hop, he was pretty much their whole offense, but it was enough. Yeah, was yeah. Awesome. Hop fifty three. Hopkins made a 53-yard field goal, which was uh, I thought, a big boost for him. He was good yesterday. He hit three field goals, including a really important one from over 50. So, it's big time. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's off the schneid. Two in, two minute turn, two minute t- timeout touchdown. I think it is one you discussed, right? Yeah, we did that. Yeah. Yep. And and swearing your pressure. Yeah, so at the very end, you know, when, when Cousins was trying that last-ditch effort to get down there and, and hopefully tie up the game, there was those last two plays. Uh, Arizona was really smart and, and, and brought uh, D.J. Swearinger 
uh, up to the line of scrimmage and on blitzes off the edge. And I don't know why, but neither time they, they, they had no answer for it. Cousins, Cousins should probably have called Max Protect on that last play, but Swearinger got right up in his face again, and then he threw that, uh, threw that interception when he, when he kind of guessed wrong on Jameson Crowder's choice route. But um, I think that was another part of the chess match that the Redskins lost because right, right there they, uh, they, they had no answer for that particular play. All right, and those are Brent's notes. All right, a couple of things before we close. First, I want to discuss the fact that we're getting this out. Normally, we've been really good. We've had all podcasts out, you know, by 8 or 9 at the latest, 9 a.m. the morning after games, sometimes late the night of games if you stayed up uh, yep. and, and listened. But this uh, this weekend, we were thrown off. We do have other lives and other things going on. So, okay, I'll take the fall and the – Yes, I may have fallen asleep, but the whole system was thrown off to begin with by you texting me about how you couldn't watch the game live because you had some Christmas parade. So that I'm like, I'm actually wondering if you're even going to like call me, but then you hit me at like 8.30 with Brent's notes, and I'm like, did you blow off family time and just watch the game in the end? What 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 happened? Did you watch live? Oh, that, now, now I see why you wanted to talk about this. I didn't realize you were saving that. You had You were ready to put me... You were, Ready to put me down under the bus? It's definitely on you. It's a hundred percent on you. Parade. I've got little daughters. We went to a Christmas parade. Right, and so you. Well, that's really all there is to it. I have all right. Have a life, as you said. uh, All right. Well, my point is, so so okay. Well, here's here's what what in my world you hit me up and you're like, yeah, I'm I might. I might be watching the game on. So, when did you watch the game? I guess is my point. If you went to this Christmas parade at four thirty. You, like you were done watching the game by eight o'clock. You were sending me notes at like eight thirty. Yeah, I watched the first half on delay. I was live at halftime. I was all good to go by by close right. game. Well, I living here in North Carolina and following all of our teams. See, I had a night Panthers game, and then I actually had an afternoon Hurricanes game that I had to attend because the Hurricanes really need support. And I actually got to say, I probably pushed them over the edge in a one nothing overtime win last night where the crowd got into it. So I was there. I come home from that. I actually have the, the Washington game DVR, and I'm trying to watch it, but I watched the first drive, and I already know the ending, the first couple drives, and I know the ending. And I even, during the Hurricanes game, I would go up sometimes and watch on the TV during the intermissions as much of the Washington game as I could, including I saw, I know I saw that Jameson Crowder touchdown, a couple other big plays. Then I come back and I'm watching some of it on DVR. May have had a few beers at the Hurricanes game, and and then I'm totally disgusted by football as I'm seeing what's going down with my Carolina Panthers. Did you see this? Did you see this? I know I I, I, did, I saw enough of it. Yeah. Did you see? Like, first of all, I do want to ask you the question: What would you do if, or, or what would you do if your coach benched the starting quarterback for a dress code violation in a big game? Yeah, I, it's um, well. We, we won't get. I we mean, won't I'm, go deep I'm, into it. I'm assuming there's more than meets the eye there. Right? I don't know, man. I mean, that, that can't really be it. I don't know. But then, and then I don't know if you saw, but Derek Anderson then threw a, uh, an interception on the first play, which <laughs> yeah. is amazing because that means he sat for the first series, which is a one play interception. So again, I just I had a lot going well, on. I'm all I'm all I'm all for any any. Um... Uh, increasing dysfunction in that team because we got to play them. So yeah, appreciate it. I uh, so I got sort of disgusted by football at that point. 
maybe had a couple beers and packed it in a little bit earlier than expected. And uh, but anyway, good to good to. All right. Well, clearly, clearly, Hayes, you do wear many hats, and your dedication is much appreciated. <laughs> but you're a much. Much like the Redskins um, collectively deserve that team loss, you and I shall share the blame for the delayed publishing of today's podcast because we are a team. And I was happy. I was happy to jump out of bed bright and early at 10 a.m. this morning and record with you. So, um, <laughs> all right, while you, while you skip work and sit in the parking lot. All right, for this edition <laughs> of Burgundy Blogcast and for Brent, I'm Hayes. Thanks. Time to make it real compared to what. 